Watch We Collect podcast, episode number 4040, presented by Believe Podcast Network. It's a baseball podcast, by the way. Series is tied 2-2, two games apiece. Houston just tied it up, just finished watching game numero 4. What a series. What a, wow, what a series so far. I'm honestly glad, but no, I'm not glad that my team is not in the World Series. I wish they were, but I'm glad that I am not a fan of these two particular teams in play. If that makes, of course it makes sense. That makes sense. I'm glad because their fans just have to be going through so many emotions just for these four games with three left to go. It It is, I can't even imagine the strain on their hearts. Because last year, my heart was really going through some strengths. And I can't even imagine these guys. Anyway, we got a series tied 2-2. There's a lot of things going on in just the last two games alone, let alone the first four games. I already talked about the first two. Just these last two games alone. We've got... We've got home runs being hit like crazy. We got a guy who's probably be tipping his pitches. Was he? I don't know. You be the judge, I guess. Followed by a no-hitter for tonight's game. A combined no-hitter. Doesn't count as a no-hitter, by the way. A combined no-hitter is a no-hitter, but it's not a real no-hitter. I don't care. Same thing goes with the seven-inning no-hitter. Anyway, we got gold glove winners finally announced. And... The series is tied, and I, I'm going to end this episode with really just going over the fact that this World Series so far, through four games, has everything you can expect from a like a, a, an exciting baseball game all bundled into just four games. Comebacks, home run games, no hitters, pitching dominance, pitch, pitch tipping also. I'm going to get into all that because this series has it all. But first and foremost, gotta gotta get into game, gotta get into game three when the Phillies are just playing batting practice with Lance McCullers, who I'll I'll get into the pitch tipping a little bit, but let's just get into the star guys: Kyle Schwarber, uh, Reese Hoskins, Alec Baum, Brandon Marsh, and the main guy Bryce fucking Harper. It is his house. It is his house. Starts the game off with a two-run bomb. That thing was actually absolutely, I can't even talk, absolutely crushed. That thing, holy shit. Nothing nothing beats the sound, the crack of a baseball bat, knowing it's a home run. And it's just, holy shit. What, What a home run especially to start game three at home. And it's his first at-bats. First game in Philly for the World Series. So good for him that all that shit happened for game three. Of course, game four didn't go their way, but we're not on there yet. We're on game three. But I wanted to get into a little bit of something right now. Reason why I love the sport. It's I love baseball. Love the sport. The reason why I started this podcast to begin with, because I love talking about the sport. Here's the reason why I love bringing up the sport and defending it is because whether you're at a game 
or even just watching it on TV, a guy hits a home run. You, I mean, if you watch the game or played it all the time, I mean, you, you know, like the sounds, you know, like there's a lot of people that can just watch a guy's at bat, a ball's thrown and a split second, they just know that's getting crushed. Or if the ball come hits off the bat, the sound of it, you just know it's getting crushed. I'm really good at it. I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm pretty damn good at it. Like I, I just know like, oh, that's gone. Like with, with before the camera even switches frame to the ball. And the stands, like, I, I, that's gone. That ball's gone. That's exactly what Bryce Harper's home run felt like when I was watching it. Not only that, but the universal fan go-to celebration after a home run is hit is that just all the heads look up, the hands, like, it, it all happens in slow motion. It's so weird. But all the hands go up and everybody stands on their feet for a home team. I'm talking about for the home team. Of course, this happens in Philly. I'm talking about for a home team. Everybody's hands just go up, head head turns towards the ball, and everybody stands up off their seat, and then the crowd just goes nuts. The universal fan celebration for a damn home run, and I, and I love it so much. Can't beat that. You won't get that in any other sport. Where you, as soon as the ball hit, you just see all the fans behind home plate stand up. And then once that camera shifts over to the ball, the entire stands everywhere. Every single fan is on their feet. Oh, man. I, I just love that universal celebration that that that's like all the fans just know. Like, that's the universal thing. I love that about this sport. One of the things I'll always bring up in an argument or conversation. Like, you want to know how fans get, watch a game or even go to a game for a home team? When they hit a home run, it's the universal thing. Everybody will stand up, especially in the atmosphere, being that it's a World Series game. I've never been to a World Series game. I've only watched them. But, I mean, you I'm pretty sure Philly fans at home stand up, do the exact same thing at home. They're, they look, well, they're looking at the TV, but they arms go up and they're standing up off their couch. I guarantee that's happening. Anyway, love that. Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, Reese Hoskins, Alec Bohm, and uh, Brandon Marsh all went yard, combined for five homers for seven runs that game. Lance McCullers ends up going four and a third, six hits, seven earned runs, five homers, and only five strikeouts. Um, I don't remember his pitch count. I believe it was like, I mean, it wasn't very much. I think it was like 67, but I'm not, I'm not fully sure. But uh, ultimately, he didn't pitch very well. I honestly thought once it went 4-0, and this this seems to be the consensus for a lot of things I'm listening to, but I honestly thought he was going to get taken out. But he was doing, I mean, he was a little like great after that until the homer started happening again. But he, he looked fine after that. I mean, it's four runs, you know, that's a lot, but it's not a little bit either, if that makes sense. You know, that's not two, but that's not like, like six it's it's like a good like all right that's four runs happened in two separate innings and um I always honestly thought I was going to take him out I know Dusty Baker manager for the Houston Nationals didn't take him out he got a lot of shit for it which I think is not completely fair how just one little thing like that has all the fans or whoever is watching the game turn on him just like that 
I don't think that was completely fair. I honestly don't. Like, just because he didn't pull him out and that happens. And it, it that's the other thing I like about baseball. You don't know what's going to happen. So it's like you can't say that, oh, if if he would have if he would have been pulled out, the four runs would have been the only ones they scored and the Astros might have came back. Well, first off, Astros didn't score any runs that game. They got shut out 7-0. So that part is already kind of crossed out. But saying that if he would have been taken out, they wouldn't have scored any more runs. Uh, might have been true. Astros bullpen is pretty solid. They're pretty damn good. But you can't say that. I hate that type of shit. I hate I hate that hypothetical. Or if this happened, one, two, three would have happened. Like you can't do that in this game. What happened happened. You can't you can't say if 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 he would have been taken out right after that second home run, he would have been done. Like they wouldn't have hit the three more after that. Well, you don't know that. All right. Like in another multi multiverse, it, that maybe that would have happened. But it didn't. Too bad. It happened. So I hate fans that, that that do that type of no not I don't hate fans that do that. I don't hate the fans that do that. I just hate that type of thinking. That like hypothetical, like if this would have happened, we would have won that game. Yeah, well you didn't. Too bad. It happened last year with that whole um that ground rule double uh automatic double by the Tampa Bay Rays against the Boston Red Sox at Fenway. Oh, well, if that ball didn't go over, we would have won the game. And the walk-off wouldn't have happened. Well, too bad it did. So, get over it. So, anyway. Home runs didn't end up happening. Anyway, um, Lance McCullers didn't look like Lance McCullers. I know he talked a lot of shit at the beginning of the season. Talking about he doesn't give up a lot of home runs. I think the most home runs he gave up this season was four. Which is crazy. And then he gave up five in one game. So that's just playoff baseball. That's just the Phillies. That's just their lineup. Case in point, I know they got no hit this game. By the way, what's today's date? Today is Wednesday, November 2nd. It is 10.07 p.m. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Case in point, I know they got no hit. So it's like, but that's that's baseball for you. Any, any type of shit can happen. So that's, that's just what it is. Anyway, um, back to Lance McCullers, I want to get into a little bit of the pitch tipping that a lot of people thought he was doing. I know there was a lot of videos circling around, especially one about the leg kick, the glove placement up close to his brim of his hat, just below the brim of his hat or things like that. And I, I mean, I'm not a, a let me go look back and see what I can find guy. Cause I'm not, I'm not that type of dude. Like I don't do that. Like, like I said before, what happened happened already. You already gave up five homers and he said he wasn't tipping or that he, they came in with a game plan. And I know that Bryce Harper, um, brought in, uh, Alec Baum and talked to him on, on the top of the, the dugout, you know, whispered a little some Alec Baum said, well, that's, that's between us. We'll never know what Bryce Harper said. He'll never say what he said because that's between teammates. And I've seen it before. I've been in the Isotopes uh, dugout before. Those players talk to each other. They give each other secrets about the other teams. Are they going to tell anybody else? No. That's just the way it is. So I've heard it before. So I get it. He's not going to tell you what he said. Alec Bowman's not going to tell anybody what was said. So... 
Was he tipping? I don't know. Did Bryce Harper see something? Maybe. Did he let his teammate know to give him an advantage? Well, yeah. That's the point of the game is to get find that edge without cheating. Yeah, without cheating. To find that edge and win the damn game. And it it whatever they talked about, whatever they found, it helped them win the game. I don't know. But I do I think Lance McCullers was tipping. I think maybe in the beginning. Because in the first few innings, he threw quite a bit of fastballs and a lot of curveballs. And later on in the game, it was a lot of change-ups and not a lot of uh, fastballs were thrown in there. So he did change a little bit. Ultimately, I know they did end up hitting a couple more home runs to him. Or not to him, but against him. But I, I saw the videos that everyone was kind of posting of the leg kick and the the glove placement and everything like that. It seemed like none of it was very consistent. Like his, his glove was high for a fastball, but then in another shot, his glove was high for an off speed changeup. So I don't know. I mean, did he, did he, maybe he figured out that he was tipping and he switched it up and they just figured it out. And they were guessing, or maybe he was tipping in the beginning, 100%. And like I said, he switched it later on in the game. Who knows? I honestly don't know. Do I think he was tipping? I think so. I I think he really was. And I, 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 as the other team, you have to look for that advantage, that edge that gives you a winning chance, and it, it ultimately helped them win. But all in all, it goes it goes kind of both ways. Well, uh, like Houston fans will sit there and say, "Well, that's the only way the 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 Phillies would win, and uh, is if they catch tipping pitches." I would say first off, it's not illegal to catch a pitcher doing something that indicates a um, a fastball or off speed, and it's not illegal to relay that to your teammates. That's part of stealing signs. That's part of the game. And the other thing I would say is, well, your Houston offense didn't do a damn thing in that game because they didn't score one run. So you can't say that that's the only way they won because what about Houston? They have an act for comebacks also, and it didn't happen that game. They didn't score a single run. So it's 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 a it's a losing argument for a Houston fan, I would say. Now, as for um what was i getting at here um like going like uh uh, branching off keeping on into his whole the leg kick thing i don't i mean what's what's happened has happened i mean it's done what uh, chances are he probably seen that video 100 percent chance they've seen that video so there might have been some talk maybe in the manager's office and the clubhouse, like guys like saying like, Hey, like, like maybe you did do a little bit something and they caught you because hitters will let pitchers know if they're doing something, especially teammates, they will let them know like, Hey, your, your fastball does, or I know you're going to throw a fastball when you do this particular thing. Like if you, if you're, if you move, if you tap your, your foot twice, when you're about to pitch or something, and then you only tap in it once, that's a that's an off speed. They'll tell their pitcher that, but 
the reason why I don't think he, I don't know if for sure he was tipping. I think he was. And that later in the game, if he switched it, is if his teammates noticed, they might have told him. That's what I think. I think yeah, maybe his teammates might have told him and like, hey, switch it up. Your glove was this high for, for a fastball. Take it up to that height for this guy at the plate for a changeup. He did get some outs, but it just so happened that some of them did get out of the ballpark. So either way, hitters got to hit the ball. If he knows a fastball is coming, the location, that's a different thing. You still got to hit it. So either way, it takes a good hitter to, to hit a ball, even if they know it's coming. So enough on the tipping the pitches thing. I and My verdict. I think he was, I, I really, I really think he was very little, maybe in the beginning of the game. And then he tried to switch it up and it didn't work. That's, that's what I think happened with Lance McCullers. But, um, the other pitcher that I wanted to talk about and the slogan that I said for last episode, what did I say? Go five, score five. Ranger Suarez went five innings, three hits, no runs. Of course, Astros didn't score. Four strikeouts on 76 pitches. I honestly thought he was going to go one more. I really did. But he went five. They they he, they went five and they scored four. Ultimately, they scored seven. I guess go five, score seven. So that slogan lived on. Go five. Go five, score five. And they scored more. And it worked. Their bullpen shut them down after that. After Ranger Suarez was out, their, <clears throat> their bullpen shut them down. So... Good for them on that game, winning game number three. And um, I'm not going to get into game two just yet because there's a lot of, not a lot, but like like there's main thing talked about for game two is the fact that Philly's got no hit after hitting five home runs the day before. That's baseball for you. It's weird. Um, But I'm going to just get into a little bit of talking about the um, gold glove winners, gold glove winners. Uh, Recipients were finally announced. There's one guy that won 10 consecutive gold gloves for 10 consecutive seasons. And he might have robbed another player, but I don't know. We have a rookie who won a gold glove, who is also the NLDS, the ALDS MVP, Jeremy Pena. And the player I was referring to before the 10 consecutive season as a Gold's Glove winner at third base, Nolan Arenado. And I'm a lot of people were posting stats, a lot of defensive run saves, defensive outs, and all that other number stuff that he might have robbed Cabrian Hayes from winning a Gold Glove. And a lot of people were saying, well, he was a gold glove winner for defense, but he also hit well. Okay, well, he has to win the Silver Slugger for that. There's a separate award for that. That's that's what I would say. Well, Silver Slugger is a separate award. He would have to win that for third base. Gold glove awards, I personally, <clears throat> I personally don't think they're an art. No, not an argument, but a a thing you would slap on a table. If your agent is negotiating a contract for you, I don't think a gold glove would be on there because these guys, no matter how well their percentages in going in gold gloves or defensively, 
it's only off by a lot of players who are like just as good as them defensively by a few decimal points, by a few numbers after the decimal. I I I don't ultimately judge a player's defense based on a number. And I I would I say they're a better defender because they've won gold gloves? Yeah. But I would say defensively, it's the plays that matter most, which I know it's where the defensive run saves come in. Uh, uh, I would say that factors into my own point of view, but I don't solely base my opinion on players' defense or even offense solely based on numbers. I go on what they do when, you know, some things matter. Like, Jose Ramirez, that play against the Astros to end to ultimately save the game that they won was incredible. That Oscar or Mercado uh home run game when uh they they um uh, I believe they walked off. It was that game, that Jose Ramirez throw from deep third base all the way to, to first base was incredible. Now I would say that is the defensive play that is worth noting because not a lot of players make that play, but he does because he is just that good. A lot of this defensive stuff should go, should factor in at least a little bit of the eye test. Like Nolan Arenado just play, just makes plays look that much easier than other players. Alex Bregman, I believe, makes one of the cleanest plays when he's charging the ball barehanded and throws to first he makes one of the cleanest plays Arenado makes one of the cleanest backhands and throws it all the way to first on one foot or on the knees doesn't matter Rafael Devers makes the cleanest maybe not the cleanest but a lot of times the hardest throws to first and he gets a lot of the really fast guys out a lot of it he may not clean man field it cleanly but he gets the ball the first so damn fast that he gets a lot of really quick players to first base out and I think that is very valuable when it comes to defense is how quick or how easy you can make things look that you can just get those outs quick just just so quick and I think that goes a lot into my way of thinking when it comes to defense um it's it's another thing that's weird is it's hard to judge like past players on defense because especially older players like back in the 60s and the 50s 40s and 70s where I obviously I wasn't alive or even the 80s obviously I wasn't alive wasn't watching these guys play defense so it's hard then you go into well their defensive numbers were a little bit better and of course you have some highlight reels that are out there Ichiro gunning guys down at third um, Bo Jackson making that play while running up the wall. I mean, everybody's seen that play. Uh, David Wright. I mean, there's a lot of plays you can look up. And you can't solely base their defense on just, you know, one highlight play. You got to look at everything. And, uh, yeah, like it's hard to judge the older guys, that all the retirees that obviously don't play anymore. And obviously maybe a lot of people that are listening didn't see because, for one, they weren't alive. And it's hard to judge because we weren't watching. I obviously wasn't watching. 
So I, I don't know. Like if you if someone tells me like some like random guy from the the sixties was a very good shortstop, I would I would probably say, well, okay, like like I'll I'll take your word for it. But but let me let me bring up a, a known shortstop in the sixties and let's compare numbers. And if the numbers do look like the same, then all right, yeah, I'll take your word for it. Like he was easily just as good. He may not have been a household name, but this guy, I guess, watched him on TV, so I'll take his word for it. At least that's what that's the way I would think about it. I, I, I don't know. I just that's just the way I would do it. That's the way I would think. So, um, leading off into the Gold Gloves, um, Jeremy. Well, staying on the Gold Glove, just the last one I wanted to talk about: Jeremy Pena, rookie, winning a Gold Glove was just awesome. That dude is going to steal votes away for rookie of the year against Julio Rodriguez. I still think Julio Rodriguez will win. Um, but I do know, or I do think that all the votes were, are already accounted for or already submitted for all this stuff. And we'll see what comes out because that dude, it makes the Astros letting Correa go. He makes the Astros look he makes the Astros look smart letting Correa go. There we go. That's what I wanted to say. Couldn't couldn't get there. But that's what he's doing. Uh ALDS MVP. Um hasn't really done much yet in the World Series. I mean, who who knows? There's still three games left. Ultimately, I think I think it's gonna go I think it's gonna go seven games. It's tied two two, which I'll get into in a little bit. But I think that dude, it, it's so weird. I wanted to talk quick contracts real quick because there's another player on there who's kind of flying under the radar. It's a little underrated on the Astros. That's Kyle Tucker. That dude is just as scary in the lineup, even though he doesn't look intimidating. Like He, he honestly doesn't. Like He doesn't look intimidating, but he hits he hits homers, and you can't pitch to him. I mean, you can't leave it over the plate because he's going he's gonna to crush it. He's one of those guys. And the reason why I wanted to get into a little bit of contract thing is because Jeremy Pena is now, I think, their sole shortstop now. But Kyle Tucker has been there longer. So it had me thinking one day. I, I don't remember what game it was. It might have been game two um, when the Phillies came back and won. I think it was that one, yes. Um, I was thinking in my head... And just like while I was watching the game, like who who gets an extension first? I mean, I haven't seen what Kyle Tucker's contract is, but he, if if he's up for arbitration soon, does he get paid the same, if not more, than Jeremy Pena? Because look at Julio Rodriguez and Wander Franco already getting paid in their first season during the off season. Mind you, no, not Julio Rodriguez. His was during, but um, Wander Franco's was during the off season. Those guys got paid quick because those teams just wanted to lock them down. I know Houston's not really. I mean, they 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 signed Jordan Alvarez, but it's hard to put a finger on like who was Houston's last big signing, aside from maybe Justin Verlander. But I had me thinking like, who gets paid more or? The real question is, who gets paid first? I, because I think 
his value is a little bit higher, I wouldn't pay him first. I would ultimately pay Jeremy Pena first. And when it comes to that time, I would trade Kyle Tucker to another team because he plays right field, which is a very, very valuable position in baseball as it is. He's a good hitter, good defender. I mean, he he hits he hits homers and you couldn't really ask for much. I mean, that guy steals bases too. That's what I would do. I would I would personally, if I'm the Houston Astros um office staff or their GM, I would sign Jeremy Pena right away even during the offseason because obviously you don't want to talk about it now. His head's in the World Series right now. But I would sign Jeremy Pena to like a, I don't know, I mean like like a seven, seven year, eight year deal close to 140 or 130, 125 to 140, somewhere in that range for seven, for seven, eight years. That's what I would do with Jeremy Pena. And when that time comes for Kyle Tucker to get dealt, I would trade him because his value is already up. At the most right now, because he's putting up highlights, he's teams, his teams are teams are catching his attention. Oh my gosh, he's getting teams' attention. That's what I'm trying to say, and it's it would be a good move. He's not a yeah. Do I? I don't think he'll really be missed in Houston, but I don't think he'll be like forgotten either because Houston fans know what he's done the the players know what he's done he's know what he's done so and then I don't know I I just see that kind of happening for him I see Jeremy Pena getting signed first in the offseason and I see Kyle Tucker getting dealt I just wanted to talk about that real quick the fact that I was talking about Jeremy Pena winning the gold glove I mean again I wouldn't put that on the table for whoever is uh, his agent or managing him during a contract negotiation. But hey, this guy's already showed for you what he can do in the season and just showed what he can do during the postseason, which the Astros are going to be seeing the postseason quite a few times for the coming years. Why wouldn't you lock that guy down? At least just lock him down because then you put it in his head. He's going to he's going to show out next season now. If, if the Astros do it. Because that's just always how it usually, usually always how it works. Especially for a young guy. You're going to sign him for the big money, big contract. You're going to put in his head, damn, this team, this team believes in me. This team relies on me. This team just paid me a ton of money. Now I'm going to go do my job. And I'm going to go hit 32 plus homers, steal 20 plus bags, and hit 90 plus RBIs. I'm going to go do that for him this season and and get close to being an MVP. That's what I think is going to happen. That's my prediction. I wouldn't now I wouldn't say it's a take, but yeah, it's my prediction. I think Houston Astros will will pay Jeremy Peña first this offseason and trade Kyle Tucker when the time is right. That's what I think is going to happen. Um branching off into from that I'm going to get into now game number four for the World Series. 2022 World Series where the Philadelphia Phillies got 
a combined no hit. What the hell happened? Astros were the ones that scored five. And Christian Javier, who started in the bullpen for the Astros this season, by the way, started this game, pitched great. He went six innings and pitched great, shut down Philly. Philly ultimately got shut down. They got no hit. And what the hell? I don't know. What the hell happened? I don't know. that. But you know what? That's that's. That seems to be a lot of the thing in baseball. Like teams are hot. They they score like 15, 16 runs one game. And then the next game they lose and they only score like two. Like it, it happens a lot. Like it, it happens a lot. But the fact that Astros now tied this series up at two apiece. It's really crazy now because like I said before, like Philly has to win two in Philly. Like they got one more. They got to win it. And then they're sitting pretty good. Now, I think if Philly wins game five, I think they're still sitting good. They're sitting okay going back to Houston. Like they have a they have a they have a fun flight, they have a happy flight. They cannot lose game five and then get on a flight sad and mopey all the way to Houston. Can't do that. It just doesn't feel right. So I I I think Houston I, no, I think Philly has to win game five. They have to win game five. And they have Noah Syndergaard going, which I think he doesn't go past three, maybe even two and a third. Might be a bullpen game. But Justin Verlander is pitching tomorrow for the Houston Astros. And that in itself is already... Okay, so I'm not going to... Oh, God. So I'm not going to say it's a big task. For them, you know, to take it to them. Because they did. They did. They did. And I'm going to say, I don't think Justin Verlander has a good outing for that game. He hasn't been pitched very well in the World Series at all. But does it, I think it gets in his head. Like, Damn, like all these stats were just tweeting about me that night that I was the worst pitcher in the World Series um, with a six something ERA. Now that's going to be hovering over his head. I think maybe he uses that to his own advantage. Like, all right, I'm just going to pitch my ass off in this game because it potentially could be the last game he pitches in a Houston Astro uniform. I that that pays a lot. That pays a lot. And it's hard. Because fans were just giving him shit the whole time for that game. That he sucks in the World Series. Kind of took the the heat off Clayton Kershaw because he was known as the choke guy during the playoffs. But now, World Series is a bigger deal. And now Justin Verlander as the guy who is the pitcher who sucks most in the World Series. And now he's going to go with that mentality. In Philly... With those fans, I don't know. He would have to really, really deep dig deep down and just not let all that get to him. Because no matter how old he is, a lot of shit like that will get to anybody. Because it's 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 made its round, it's circled around Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, what have you. And a lot of shit like that, I believe it gets to players. 
And I don't know if Justin Verlander doesn't have a great game, then it it makes it worse. It makes it so much worse. You're gonna be looked at the guy who who just sucked in the World Series. He's gonna be forever looked at like that. I mean, the guy has a hot wife, but sucks in the World Series. So I guess he's half winning. I guess whatever. But we got Noah Syndergaard versus Justin Verlander for Game Five of the World Series. I'm gonna say, I think Philly takes Game Five and they go to Houston up three to two. Um, I don't think Noah Syndergaard goes into the third, and I don't think he starts the third. I'll say that. I think he'll finish the second, but I don't think he starts the third because I think that he will go through the whole lineup in two innings. That's what I think. But ultimately, I think the Phillies will win game five. It's my own prediction. They're going to go into Houston and win that game. Now, the, the game six is um, Saturday, which they don't have a starter yet, which... Uh, I honestly don't know who they would go to. And I would assume that Aaron Nola would go game six. But I, I again, I don't know. I have no idea. They haven't released the uh, the pitching matchups yet. So but that's going to be my, that's my prediction. I think Philly takes game five. They go to Houston up 3-2. And again, maybe Astros take game six. And we're at game seven. And I have the Phillies in seven. So. So far, it's going good uh, for my prediction anyways. So last thing I want to get to, last thing I'll talk about is this World Series just has it all. Baseball is amazing, but it's really weird how things pan out. And I've talked about it throughout this whole episode already that a team can hit five home runs in a game and then go hitless full-on hitless for a neck for the next game it happens it's weird who 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 out there put money line that philly would get no hit in game four of the world series nobody the second no hitter in world series history by the way nobody would have thought that but baseball is so weird that shit like that happens but this world series has had it all it's had comebacks it's had home run games from game three it's had no hitter tonight with game four. It's had pitching dominance from, you know, Christian Javier, Ranger Suarez. It's had pitch tipping from Lance McCullers. You name it, this game has had it. It's had crazy fans. It's had brawls. Like already with, not, okay, not brawls, but like scuffles with fans in the stands with with um, with that, uh, that mattress guy from Houston that put a big bet. Like, he was already arguing with fans, with Philly fans, about something. There was a video going around of that guy. Look it up. It has everything. It's got celebrities in Philly. got Miles Teller out there in Philly. Like, it's got it's got Kyle Schwarber giving everybody tacos. you kidding me? Out of all people, you would think it would have been Altuve or Kyle Tucker. Nope, Kyle Schwarber. <laughs> of all people, Kyle Schwarber giving everybody tacos. Hell yeah. That's what you want. This World Series just has, it has it all, honestly. It's had it all, and we're only going to game five. 
Who knows what we're going to see? We still haven't seen like like amazing plays yet. We haven't seen like a, a home run robbery or an amazing diving catch or just a like a moment that just shut the door for the other team. Like maybe maybe that five home run game was like shutting the door, but not really because the series is tied. But like those home runs were monsters. Like from all five of their big bopper guys. I mean, maybe not Brandon Marsh, but you know, he hits homers. He hits homers. So I mean all in all, this World Series has just had it all. This World Series has been fun. So we got one more game in Philly tomorrow, which is Thursday. Wait, tomorrow's Thursday, right? Yeah, because tonight's Wednesday. Tomorrow's Thursday. Got an off day, travel day Friday, and then the last final two games, um, Saturday and Sunday. So this World Series has been so much fucking fun to watch. I'm still going for Philly. Philly's in seven. Um, I don't think the Astros will go down lightly. It, it's shown it tonight. I mean, their pitching staff came out and straight up dealed. They no-hit the Phillies in game four. Right after Phillies hit five home runs in game three. Baseball is weird. And it's just like that. And it's a World Series. So, that's all I got for today's episode. Episode number 40. Thank you for listening. Wherever you're listening, leave a review. Leave a like wherever you're listening. That's greatly appreciated. Thank you all to whoever listens out there. Appreciate you as well. And uh, thank you to Believe Podcast Network. And I'll see you guys in episode number 41, which will come out next week after the World Series winner is officially crowned. So I'll stay watching, stay collecting, and I'll catch you guys in the next one.